0: Excellence. Do you really believe that it's something that happens overnight? It can't be given to you. No one is going to hand it to you. You have to sleep. You have to breathe. You have to eat it every single day of your life
1: until you achieve that greatness motivational videos i've looked at a bunch of them and to be honest they make me feel slightly nauseous each day that i'm alive i will be better than i was the day before when life gets hard i will work harder i don't make excuses i face my challenges head on and i conquer them i refuse to be average well what's wrong with being average
0: Mediocre is, is used as a, an insult, which is crazy because it just means that you're that you're you're average. You're okay. You're not you're not you may not be brilliant, but but you're not terrible.
1: I'm Alexia Russell, and today on the detail, I'm tackling a subject I've had a lot of experience with, being mediocre. I'm talking to Paul Katmer, who, in his long career in advertising, has come to the self-aware conclusion that he's smart enough to know he's not the most brilliant ad man who ever graced the earth, but he is successful and that's enough.
0: You know, I sacrificed a lot of my personal life to work. It was work that always came first in a in a desire to be to be brilliant and the best. And what happens to all those people who fall short of that, which is most of us? Uh, and would we actually be better off being a, a little bit Smart about things, realising our limitations and dealing with them, rather than um, banging our head against a brick wall that maybe we're never going to get over.
1: But that seems quite counterproductive in, a, in an era when we're all taught to thought that we're all special, and we can all achieve great things. Has that not worked uh, out for us?
0: Well, that's exactly. Yeah, that, I mean that, that's exactly my point, I guess. Um, you know, mediocrity is not something to aim for. But it's where you will probably end up and it's helpful to be accepting to that rather than in denial.
1: Would that not have the effect, though, that everyone would just cruise along being average and be quite happy about their lot without anyone sort of putting their head up above the parapet?
0: Uh, There's a a question as to whether or not that might not be uh, a good thing. There's no doubt that some people are completely uh, brilliant in certain areas and I don't think that will stop them from doing that. And I'm not saying... Don't give it a go, but be aware that you're probably not going to reach it and to make sure that that you have a plan B you know, the, the object or, or, or the most important part of life is to be happy in doing it and if trying to be brilliant is making you miserable, then maybe you have to look elsewhere.
1: What happens when you get you know every single job interview? job advert runs, you know, an exceptional person is required to perform this task, someone who thinks above and beyond, someone who, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Can, what do you do in that case? Do you, do you sort of think, OK, I can pretend to be this person for the purposes of a job interview and then scale yourself down? Uh,
0: no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think that you should be, um, that you should try and be honest. Because most people, if, if you put down that exceptional people required, everyone turning up for that job, or the vast majority of people turning up for the job, will, will claim that they're exceptional. And they're clearly not. So yeah, most people are lying before they get anywhere. It might just be that if you turn up for that job and, uh, and you go, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not brilliant, but uh, I, I'm going to try as hard as I can and I'm going to to hopefully learn from you, whoever is interviewing you, um, and do the best that you can instead of sitting there for half an hour lying about how brilliant you are when you're not.
1: <laughs> well, it's statistically unlikely that everyone who applies for that job is exceptional. Uh,
0: yeah, e- exactly. I, I'm not sure how many people are aware of the Dunning-Kruger effect, but it is it is spreading, and that that is um, Dunning and Kruger were two American researchers who found out that people have Um, a greatly inflated view of their own competence at any task.
1: This effect explains why more than a hundred studies have shown that people display illusory superiority. We judge ourselves as better than others to a degree that violates the laws of math. When software engineers at two companies were asked to rate their performance thirty two percent of the engineers at one company and forty two percent at the other put themselves in the top five percent
0: that's not a good thing um, it's hap- it's happened to me myself i've i've got a, I've gone on fishing trips and thought i've known everything about fishing and it's just it's just been excruciating to look back on it and to think how little how little i knew
1: is that a, a- A problem with the young mostly or is it a personality thing
0: it's just people it's just people generally it's a lack of self-awareness I think it's a lack of uh, people acknowledging the fact that they might be they might possibly be uh, mediocre mediocre is is used as an insult which is crazy because it just means that you're that you're you're average you're okay you're not you're not you may not be brilliant but but you're not terrible and uh, there is some evidence that the uh, mollycoddling of children and the uh, uh, continually telling them that they're beautiful and they're smart and they can do anything that, that they want to in life is not healthy for, for the kids going on. Even though it might be true, because with the people through who it isn't true who aren't brilliant and beautiful, which is, uh, as we've already acknowledged, most of us. Uh, having an inflated opinion of your own strength uh, is probably not a good thing. But even if you are that good, there is evidence that kids being continually told that by their parents can end up as narcissists, which isn't healthy either.
1: No, I, no, I suppose a terrible letdown for them in midlife when they realise that their inflated prospects never came to fruition.
0: Yeah, I mean, p- people wandering through life... I think they're thinking they're brilliant and everyone else looking at them behind their back and shaking their head is is just not a very healthy way to be, I think
1: I guess there's a line to be tread there isn't there then then the sort of awful childhood where you you know some people are given no positive reinforcement and and perhaps put down all the time, and then there's the um, my little darling's going to be a world class surgeon at the age of five kind of thing. there's some kind of line to be tread in the middle there I guess.
0: Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, bringing up kids is not my uh, particular sphere of knowledge. I'm b- willing to acknowledge my uh, less than competency in the area. I don't, I don't have any kids themselves. I just uh, uh, observe from without. And yeah, as a kid, I wasn't—I um, certainly wasn't uh, coddled, Completely opposite. And I think maybe a little bit more uh, emotional support would have been useful to me in my life.
1: The faith I have in myself exceeds all else. I will never be outworked, outhustled, or outsmarted. If you run six miles, I will run seven. You really want me on the team? What's your approach to recruiting?
0: You want first place? Come
1: play with me. You want second place? Go somewhere else. Uh,
0: together with um, Daniel Barnes, we set up an agency, Barnes, Capman, Friends, in Auckland about twelve years ago. And one of the, the key underpinnings to that agency is a book called Moneyball, which was written by God, Michael, Michael Lewis, who's a great, uh, he, <laughs> I guess it's not a long list, but he's a, he's a really good uh, financial writer. So Moneyball is it, it, seen by different people at different levels. On one level, it's a uh, baseball film, featuring Brad Pitt, which uh, you know, has had its own entertainments for various people. On, on the other level, it's a book about how a baseball team with no money, uh, the Oakland Athletics, took on the uh, New York Yankees, who just have an incredible amount of money. But on, on the other, other level, it's how you can make the best of not having the most.
1: There are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. We're going to shake things up.
0: Why don't you walk me through the board? I believe there's a championship team that we can afford because everyone else undervalues them, like an island of misfit toys. Everything that you do should be looking at how you can make the most
1: of what you've got. Um, with, I presume, a realistic idea of what you've got.
0: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, what happened with the Oakland Athletics was that... Uh, The the Yankees had maybe, I don't know, four times as much money. So how could they possibly compete to get the best players against a team who had way more money and could offer their players way more so they couldn't afford to hire any of the great players? So they looked at redefining what makes a great player. And statistically, by, by looking at what is the most successful stat for players, and they completely changed sports data in the, in the States. And things that come out of that book, I believe, are used by all of the major sporting franchises in the US. But I believe it, it, it's more than just data. It's is applicable to anyone in their life. So we, we don't have as much money as the bigger agencies, but we want to get the best people. And in advertising, uh, there's an obsession with advertising awards. So if somebody's really good and and wins lots of advertising awards, then they will go to one of the big agencies like uh, Cleanse or DDB. We just can't afford to compete with them. We just didn't have the same budgets. So we would look at people's work and go, who should have won the awards? Who has done great work that didn't win anything but, in in our view, should have done? And it's those people that we look to hire. Also, it was um, uh, nice, nice, talented, and hardworking. That was the other way of looking at it.
1: So nice came first?
0: Yes. In a small agency, 20 or 30 people, you spend a lot of time at work. You want to be surrounded by people that you like.
1: At this stage, I'm starting to think this podcast getting a bit ordinary, and then I thought, it doesn't really matter. Just strive for average. Also, throw in some sound of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Denzel Washington talking about how fabulous they are, just to break things up.
0: I'm here to talk about
1: success. My vision was totally different. I felt that I was born for something special, for something unique, for something big. Nelson Mandela said, there is no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life that's less than the one you're capable of living. How much a part does luck play in a person's success in life?
0: Uh, luck is is absolutely enormous. And I think... A lot of really good people will acknowledge that. I, yeah, I'd like to think that Richie McCaw would say, well, being born a whatever it is, six foot three, big boned, l- large guy um, to a, a family around Canterbury w- would have helped him considerably to be, uh, with a mentality that he has, to be one of the most successful All Blacks. Ever. First time I really understood who the All Blacks were was the 87 World Cup.
1: I can still visualise him on the floor, his eyes glued to the TV.
0: When he first arrived, he was not the most talented athlete, but what he did have was a massive desire. You want to be an All Black? Write down a plan, mate. You don't just want to be an All Black, you want to be a great All Black. I was like, what? If he'd been uh, born almost anywhere else in the world, he's unlikely to have had the opportunities that he had. There is the, the, the bit that the harder you work, the luckier you get, that's true, but bumping into the right person at the right time can suddenly make things take off. And the, the more doors you knock on, the, the the better chance you have of succeeding.
1: When did you first come to terms with your mediocrity, Paul?
0: Uh, I, it, it's a, it, it comes in fits and starts. You suddenly have... The idea that maybe, you know, that, that, like if a rugby player comes to the idea that may, maybe the reason he's not in the All Blacks, he can't go on blaming luck, blaming injuries, blaming the fact that, that there was someone better than him in his position, blaming the fact that the, that the coach is an idiot and and doesn't pick him. And you kind of go, maybe it's because I'm not the best player. And when that happens, there's various things you could do. I mean, you know, one, I guess, in, in Moby terms, you become a utilitarian player. You become so useful in a n- number of different positions that you maybe get picked for the squad, even if you're not the first person um, penciled down on the team. And for me, I, I think it was you, you come across the realization that maybe you are not as good as some of the incredible people who are there. So instead of trying to match them, just do the best job that you can in other areas.
1: I mean, in sport, though, that kind of realisation could be a recipe for depression. You know, if you are at what you think is the top of your game and, you you know, there's a barrier, you can't break through that last barrier, the, perhaps the realisation that you're not as good as the incumbent could be a downward spiral. You know, is there a danger in that? You
0: know, so I'm, I'm not an, an expert psychologist. I think that having a realistic view of your own uh, limitations and also the things that you're good at are less likely to cause uh, issues than the belief that you are brilliant, but your brilliance is going unrecognised because then you start
1: to have a grudge against the world. The key to it seems to be self-awareness. It keeps coming back to self-awareness.
0: Yes. uh, Yeah, I, I think so. And if, if I'm allowed to, to quote one great philosopher, Socrates, the unexamined life is not worth living. You know, be self-aware. Try and have some awareness of the effect that you're having on other people and you know how it might be done better.
1: If your lessons in mediocrity take hold and people start to realise that they'd be a bit happier if they lowered their expectations of themselves a bit, what happens to all these gurus, these self-help gurus who exhort you to be the best you know, the best and the greatest and the most amazing person?
0: Oh, well, well, there's a thing called survivor bias, which is judging situations by the survivors. There's a lot of it in business. People are always quoting um, what Apple do and the idea that, I don't know, we're we're a small printing company making T-shirts for sports events. Well, what would Apple do in this situation? And it's not really helpful to... To look at companies or people who have done really well and take that as a way to go forward it's actually often a lot i believe a lot more interesting a lot more fruitful to look at things that maybe haven't worked out because it's often it's the outlier it's the lucky outliers
1: that do well you gotta you gotta act and you've got to be uh willing to uh, fail you've got to be willing to crash and burn you know, with people on the phone, with starting a company, with whatever. If you're afraid of failing, uh, you won't get very far. Sometimes what you might think is failure is just falling short of brilliance, especially in the advertising game, when you're just trying to sell toothpaste.
0: A lot of people will say they want something absolutely brilliant when they don't. And of course People disagree as to what is absolutely brilliant. You could, um, yourself, I'm sure you look at look at the ads on television, and some of them you, you like, and some of them you hate. But if you talk to someone else, it'll be completely the opposite. It's it's like music or anything. What what is absolutely brilliant? Um, people generally uh, disagree on, and it's often difficult to reach a consensus. Uh, and the guy there, you know, he, he worked for a large, shall I say, uh, uh, toiletries company. I'm sure he doesn't remember me and I, I don't remember much of him other than, than it was that. We, we were, were trying to be absolutely brilliant and to do something that, that would change the world. And, and he's going, look, we're selling toothpaste here. It, it isn't that hard. We'll all be a lot happier if, if you reach the, the required standard of, of quite good and stop banging your head against yeah. the, uh, the brilliance that really isn't required.
1: Katma has somewhat tentatively floated this idea which reads as heresy in advertising on an industry blog and has now turned the concept of being okay with mediocrity into a series of articles in the New Zealand Herald.
0: I wrote an uh, original version of the first article and I, and I put it on an advertising blog and c- I kind of sat there a bit nervously going because it's, it's kind of very anti-advertising it's all about all you know, brilliant award-winning work and my god this is fantastic and and I, and I, like I say, I thought I might have run into a, a bit of abuse and actually the reverse happened. There's been a lot of support. from um, you know, People I don't know have gone, yeah, you're yeah, absolutely right. There's far too much concentration on genius and it is hurting people as um, individuals. And maybe if we just kind of calmed down a bit and looked at our limitations and made the most of living the, you know, the happiest, sanest life, that, that we can, instead of beating ourselves up that that we're not actually the best in the world, that that might be a good thing. I actually like that uh, New Zealanders, uh, of which I'm one now, mm-hmm. the the beamer boat and the batch philosophy. I don't know if you're probably familiar with the idea that New Zealanders don't want. Too much. I know that that might like sound a little bit unobtainable to some people, mm. but in America, people want to be the richest person in the world. They do, they don't want to stop. They just want to. It's all about money and it's all about carrying on cumulative wealth. Whereas uh, in New Zealand, I mean, uh, quite possibly in some of the Scandinavian countries, for example, I don't know. It's about living a comfortable, sane, healthy, happy life rather than being the richest and the most ultimate person that you can be
1: so being satisfied with your lot kind of thing
0: it, there's an element of that it's not having mediocre as an angle not, not going i really want to be mediocre it's going okay maybe i am that's not the worst thing to do let's be happy with that
1: that's all for today thanks to paul katmer Jeremy Ansell engineered this episode and Mark Jennings produced it. The Detail is a newsroom production for RNZ, made possible by NZ On Air. We're on all the usual podcast platforms. Hit subscribe and get a new episode downloaded every weekday. If you're an Apple user, please give us a rating. It helps others to find us. But not an average rating. Five stars, please. You can also listen on the RNZ, Newsroom or Stuff websites. Ka kite anō.